Hello and welcome to our very first Denston Healthy Minds podcast. We hope that you find these podcasts incredibly helpful over the coming months. We will be welcoming different speakers from the world of mental health and well-being to join us on our podcast. If you don't know who I am, my name is Chris Farman. Um, I'm head of PSHE and Wellbeing at Denson College in Staffordshire. Our first guest um, today is Hope Virgo. Hope is an author, a speaker, a mental health campaigner, and an incredibly inspirational person that we had into school last term. She joined me today for our very first Healthy Minds podcast, and here she is now. Good morning, Hope. Um, I hope you're well. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm absolutely fine, thanks. Yeah, I'm good. Okay, I'm just sat in my sat in my office at home, um, trying to do a little bit of work, which is quite nice. It's very quiet today because my two girls and Mrs. Farman are, are at work. Uh, oh, two nice. girls at Netflix, so it's, it's it's quite nice this morning. Um, it's very quiet indeed. So, um, Hope, um, you joined us last term, which was absolutely fantastic. You know, the talk that you delivered to. Um, our pupils at school was so well received and the talk that you delivered to our parents online was absolutely brilliant as well so thank you so much for doing that. Um, I just want to start off by or you start off by giving us a little bit of background in terms of yourself and the sort of previous challenges that you face from a, from a mental health perspective. Yeah no definitely um, so uh, I developed anorexia when I was about 12-13 years old um, the anorexia was basically a coping mechanism to life. So I had been sexually abused um, and I also struggled to process emotions in the right way. Um, and because I didn't know who to talk to or how to have these conversations about what was going on, I had to find my way of dealing with it. So it came out in the form of restriction and over-exercise. And it was quite literally like having this best friend in my head. It kind of numbed all of those emotions I didn't want to feel. It gave me some sense of control over what was going on around me. Um, but kind of fast track four years and I ended up uh, going to my GP and then being admitted as an outpatient to CAMS. But I, at this point, just wasn't able to accept there was anything really the matter with me. And this is something that comes up time and time again with eating disorders. People cannot always see themselves the way that they're viewed. And I think because, in, particularly nowadays, actually, because in society we have normalised disordered eating and this eating disorder culture, it can be really difficult to actually realise that anything is the matter and that anything's going on. And so it took kind of like a good six months of outpatients trying to open up, trying to talk about things, um, a lot of lying, a lot of rebelling. I was very naughty at home, um, kind of causing family arguments, you name it, kind of doing everything I could to just avoid being there. And then I eventually was admitted to a mental health hospital where I spent kind of a year in recovery. So learning about food, exercise. And I guess the big thing for me was just learning to kind of talk about things and realizing that there was something the matter with me. And if I wanted to have any sort of life moving forward, I had to find a way to kind of crack what was going on. Yeah, and, and your, I have to say your story, Hope, is incredibly inspiring, I have to say. It's, it, you, you know, the talk that you delivered to our pupils 
was incredibly powerful about your experience. It really, really was. Now, um, I just want to just talk a little bit about um, listening skills, actually, in terms of people that you opened up to, people that you spoke to um, during your journey with, with mental health and eating disorders. Now, um, we, at School of Learning, we've got a bit of a focus amongst the staff on non-judgmental listening to sort of improve our listening um, skills as people. I don't know if you just want to talk a little bit about listening skills and the people that you were comfortable with talking to, people you weren't comfortable with talking to, obviously without mentioning names or anything like that, uh, and the reasons behind that. I just wonder if you could just talk about that a little bit. Yeah, no, definitely. So I guess firstly, kind of listening and taking a step back goes against all human nature a lot of the time. I think as a society, we're very good at talking about, we're very good at talking about our problems kind of at a mediocre level. And then we're also very good when someone does tell us what's going on to jump right in with a comparison of something that we've been through or to try and fix that situation. And both things actually just do not work when you are talking to someone who's got mental health issues or when you're trying to understand what someone's going through and how someone's feeling on a day-to-day basis. So for me, most of my conversations at school um, about kind of how I was feeling and what was going on came after um, a teacher was quite direct about things. So I had this amazing um, sports teacher, actually. So I was in all the sports teams so kind of knew the sports teams quite well because we did a lot of um, kind of trips on weekends and things like that to play sport. And one of the teachers I kind of was asked me extremely directly what was going on with my eating, like why I'd kind of started not going to lunch, all of this sort of stuff. And she opened up to me about some things that she'd gone through I would like to kind of preempt the conversation and then started to ask questions kind of like probing questions and while she did obviously reference the evidence <clears throat> that I'd changed my weight and that I wasn't eating as much she focused so much more on actually how I'm feeling like what's going on and she didn't assume like that she knew all the answers I think like a lot of my teachers at school knew that I had stuff going on at home but they wouldn't jump to the assumption that that was what had caused all of this stuff that was going on. They would kind of just ask the questions and keep kind of trying to work out how they could support me in that. And I think within that as well, it was the people that I found it more, yeah, people that I was able to talk to more were those people who didn't try and fix me. And if you're kind of like a parent or even if you're caring for someone who's struggling with food, it's, it can be really difficult because you're watching that person in a sense kind of destruct themselves so much that you feel completely out of control with the whole thing as well. And the thing is, is you don't, what we don't want is we don't want someone to interfere. We don't want someone to constantly be on our case about food. And I know with my mum, like it was really difficult for her because she wanted to sit there and make me eat. But actually the more she tried to do that, the more I would push her away, the more I would argue. And actually we just lost this whole level of trust and understanding in my recovery. And actually when I relapsed back in 2016 because my mum wasn't interfering on that kind of like day-to-day routine with what I was doing I was able to be really really honest with her about what was going on because I knew that she would only kind of intervene if things got to a certain heightened level and even now actually I think like obviously in COVID we've seen this huge increase in people struggling with eating disorders particularly and it's it's really hard because you're around young people, you're around your family so much more. So people are much more conscious of it. And I know for me, like I've had probably an up and down couple of months with stuff. And what I've had to say to people who are supporting me is actually, do you know what? Like I'm I'm doing okay. I just would like you to check in with me every four weeks. I don't want to talk about it unless I bring it up 
but every four weeks I'm going to have a check-in with you and let you know honestly how I'm doing and I think asserting yourself and setting those boundaries is really really helpful and really important yeah I you know we this idea of, of non-judgmental listening is something we're really trying to focus on at school at the moment because I think you know, checking in with people, listening to what people have got to say. I, I think it can have such a positive impact on people's mental health. I really do. And, um, you know, I think given the circumstances we're in, people, some people are very lonely. Um, you know, texting a friend that you've not spoken to um, for a few weeks. I think that can be so, so powerful, I think. Um, so that, that those non-judgmental listening skills and the ability to, to check in with people is so important. I just want to move on now to... Um, the Dump the Scales petition, Hope. Do you want to just speak about that? Yeah, sure. So um, at the moment, uh, eating disorder services across the country are massively underfunded. Um, there's this huge lack of understanding around eating disorders altogether. And the camp Dump the Scales is all around changing that kind of understanding at a societal level, but also making sure that the right funding's there, making sure the right training's there. And also empowering kind of all frontline staff. So whether that's people who work in schools, whether that's dentists, whether that's GPs, to actually start to have those conversations about eating disorders. I think more often than not, when we think about eating disorders, we think of a white teenage girl who is extremely underweight. And the fact is, is that actually out of all eating disorder cases that are diagnosed, 25% 25 of them are male and only 8% of those cases are actually underweight. So it means that a lot of people are not getting the support they really need. Um, so yeah, I launched a petition about a year and a half ago, I think. Um, I've taken it to Downing Street. It's been debated a number of times in Parliament. And actually on the 9th of February, I'm hosting a roundtable um, on Zoom, unfortunately. Um, but it will be with <laughs> kind of all parties. So kind of the Conservatives, the Labour Party, um, Lib Dems. Um, and then also kind of other leading campaigners in this space to actually try and just bring everyone together to then galvanise a little bit of action around it. I think quite often what we're seeing with mental health services is they are obviously so overstretched, but all the planning to tackle this is kind of planned over the next 10 years. And actually, because people with eating disorders are dying every 62 minutes, someone dies like it's it's just ridiculous. So I think for me, it's actually making sure that we get some momentum going around this. So people are getting that support kind of immediately when they need it. Hope that's absolutely brilliant. And I, I suspect that Rosanna Allen Khan will be part of that roundtable meeting. Yeah, she, she yeah, she's actually right? also my local MP. Um, yeah, is she? Which is amazing. Right. I didn't know that. So I hosted a, a talk with Rosanna a couple of months ago. Um, oh, nice. And she was absolutely fantastic. Um, she spoke to, it was a previous school I was at, so she spoke to um, our year 11 pupils whilst we were, you know, during the first lockdown. And we had a few guest speakers in. And she was, she was one, of, one of the guest speakers. She was absolutely brilliant. You know, we, we, we basically couldn't get rid of her because she just wanted to keep talking <laughs> and answering questions. But she was absolutely superb um she was she was brilliant yeah, actually she spoke so positively about you know the work she was trying to do which was which was great it was infectious really and i have contacted her to try and get her onto to one of the podcasts actually but she hasn't got back to me yet she's probably very busy so um but i will i will keep i will keep pestering her for that fab well i hope that goes well hope That's, that really is superb um really really good just want to now focus a little bit on on social media actually and and you know, a lot of our parents will be listening to, to this, really. That's that's the audience which we're sort of trying to focus on with this podcast. And 
social media obviously can be a good thing, can be can be a negative thing as well. I just wonder what your thoughts are on on social media and its impact on um, young people's body image um, and eating habits and things like that. Yeah, so I think social media is a really challenging one, if I'm honest, and I feel like we could probably talk for hours and hours about it. I think it gets so much negative rap, but actually it can be really, really positive. And I think as parents, it's about working with your young person to build up a relationship where you can have a conversation about it, whether it's you downloading Instagram or Twitter and sitting with them and asking them to show you kind of people to follow or what they're looking at or things like that. So you can have that open dialogue about it. Um, I think for me, the things that have really helped me kind of change my relationship with social media is taking that ownership of it. So I guess the main things to look out for, the kind of the negative things is if your young person is constantly looking at fitness accounts and if maybe you glance over their shoulder or you ask to see what they're looking at and they click on their search bar and it's just inundated with kind of models and food and weight loss stuff, that for me is a red flag that something isn't quite right with that person. And I think it's important that you can then have a conversation with that person where you can kind of encourage them to create their feed in such a way that actually they're only looking at stuff that's really good for them. And I think that isn't about, it's not about flooding yourself with kind of like positive memes, because I, to be honest, I think positive memes are really naff and they're not going to solve the mental health issues of anyone, but it's about looking at actually what is out there, whether they can follow a really, really diverse group of people, which is something that actually I proactively make sure that I do. So I'm not looking at the same body types every day. It's making sure that we're looking at different body types, different races. We're looking at people who are promoting different things as well. So we're kind of expanding our network in that sense as well. And I think actually something to flag, which came up quite recently, and I'm, I guess it's something that's harder to navigate and harder to manage. But um, what we have been seeing recently with Instagram, particularly, is firstly a lot of nutritionists who claim to be nutritionists but they're actually like influencers on Instagram who are promoting like a really really unhealthy diet message so if you've got a young person who suddenly decides they're going to change up their eating habits kind of probe a little bit and maybe ask where they got it from whose idea it was and more often than not they'll be able to name someone that they've seen on Instagram who's doing this diet where this is going to happen something like that and actually what you can do then is go away google it have a bit of, have a bit of a look at it and then have a conversation with them actually about this isn't like the right way to go about doing it this isn't how this isn't how we should be doing it and then opening up that conversation about actually having a broad range of diet like diet advice and nutritional advice to follow as well and what I'll do after this is I'll send some really really good accounts which can be added to um the footnotes at the bottom as well just so that you kind of got places oh. to go and people to look at um but the other thing that i did want to flag just from like a, i guess from like a negative perspective was um the other thing that's happening a lot at the moment and i think it's important to be aware of it is that they've got these um people online called uh, eating disorder coaches and these aren't the kind of positive recovery ones but they're coaches that are basically encouraging, particularly young people, people who are vulnerable, to lose weight. So how it works is you would get the young person to take a picture of themselves. They send it in. And then kind of once every couple of days, they have to send another photo. And if they're not losing weight fast enough, then the person on the other end of the message will have maybe get them to do something or they might get them to self-harm or 
they might encourage another kind of diet plan or things like that and it's it's really really dangerous and it's those things that I think like it's it's so difficult to navigate and it's so difficult to have that conversation with your young person about that sort of stuff but I think bringing those conversations out into the light and actually having an open dialogue about it is the best way to kind of move that forward and to make sure that they're looking at the right stuff um and I guess like finally like I wouldn't I would never recommend telling your young person that they've got set times on their phone or on their screen but kind of building that level of trust into it is what's important because as soon as you stop start dictating what they can and can't be looking at that's when they're going to start to withdraw and that's when they're going to kind of like pull back a little bit and start to hide stuff from you as well so I think just having that dialogue and within that as well actually it might be worth and this is probably something that I'm going to be terrible at as a parent just FYI but actually making sure that you do have kind of screen free time in your days and actually as an adult making sure that you're getting involved in that as well so if you say no one's going to look at their screen after 8 p.m make sure that you don't do that as well because the young person will pick up on that and probably use that as a way to actually be like do you know what you're not doing it I'm not going to do it either yeah and I can you know we have a we have a, a three-year-old and a one-year-old and our three-year-old at the moment already is creeping into you know where is my ipad i want to watch videos on my ipad etc and it, it is quite it's quite a challenge actually to to drag her away from that already even at three um so i i completely understand that and that you, you've offered some really valuable advice there um, Hope. so thank you for that um just sort of starting to think about bringing things um to a to a close really um you mentioned there about sort of positive and negative aspects yeah. of social media and as sort of forcing this idea of, of being happy i think that you were trying to to get out there um can you I just, my concern at the moment is is that the world it can be quite a negative place and um the news um is often very negative at the moment and and um, Mrs. Farmer and I, we, we, we love watching the news. We've got it on all the time. We've got Sky News on, we've got CNN on, you, you know, news channels, you name it, we're watching it. But the problem is, of course, with that is, and we, we do enjoy watching it, but the problem is, is that the yeah. news headlines are very negative at the moment. I think, I think a lot of our, our peoples will be, will be seeing this as well, okay? And it's, it's very, very negative. And, you know, they're at home, they're online, they're not at school, they're not seeing their friends. And there's just a lot of negative cues around at the moment. How... How do we go about making the world a little bit more positive? How do we go about, you know, working with young people and making them feel a little bit positive, a little bit more positive about the future? What, how, how do we go about um, doing that? So I, I guess for me, what I've done, and I think this does, yeah, this would work for young people as well, actually, is so trying to get them to avoid not look at the news quite as much. So in our house, um, and I don't have children, um, but in kind of our house and even actually with my family as well, we have quite strict rules on how much we can talk about COVID and how much we can talk about the kind of the state of the world. And I think it, for us, it's really, it's really, really important and particularly having that boundary at meal times so that we're not constantly kind of bombarding ourselves with that negativity. So we don't talk about COVID at meal times. And with my family, we have at least 24 hours a week on our family WhatsApp where we don't, where we're not allowed to mention it. And it just kind of reminds you that there's stuff outside of COVID at the moment and there's other stuff going on. Um, 
the other thing that um, is really, really important, I think, right now is to actually book some nice things in for people to look forward to. And I know some people probably think that's completely pointless. But actually, by having stuff in to look forward to, it helps you to give a little bit of like it helps you just feel like things are moving forward. It gives a little bit of direction. Um, and whether that is kind of going out for a walk at the weekend somewhere different or um, I don't know, like getting a takeaway coffee on a weekend and sitting in a park for a couple of hours, like all of that different sort of stuff that you can be doing can be really helpful. And I think within that, making sure that actually when you have a young person who maybe finishes their school day and they've been online all day doing online lessons, actually having that kind of break between end of school and evening where you have that maybe that shift in what is going on. Um, and then the other thing that's really helpful is every single, um, you could do it, I, I normally do this on a Sunday night, but you could do it any night of the week. But on a Sunday night, kind of sitting down with, as a family, and thinking about all the things that you're grateful for. So we know that if we think about those things that we're grateful for, it improves our positivity, it improves the way that our brain is wired, so it then becomes more positive in how we deal with things. So actually putting a name to those things. So what we do is we name three things that we're grateful for, we then name three positives of the week, and then we have three things that we're looking forward to, um, and then we have like one or two things that maybe are bothering us or things that are on our mind. And like the grateful things and the positives don't have to be anything wild. They can literally be like, I had a really good cup of tea or like on Monday, my oven got fixed. So I'm like, that'll probably be my positive on Sunday nights. My oven got fixed. Um, but I think just making a little bit of effort to do that. And and maybe as a parent, like not spending as long looking at the news, not spending as long kind of getting kind of heightened about it and if you are someone who is a parent or carer who is struggling with your own mental health at the moment like making sure that you're taking that time for yourself within that so if you need someone to offload onto about how you're feeling about covid like totally 100 do it but maybe do it away from your children being able to hear because actually if you're more anxious then they'll get more anxious as well yeah I mean, the idea of self-care at the moment is so, so important, isn't it? You know, I think about the things which which I, you know, love to, to get involved in. I love going to the football with, with my dad. Um, we love taking holidays. Um, I love seeing my friends and going out for dinner and a few drinks. And these are the sorts of things that, you know, make up my life as a person. But obviously, at the moment, all of those things can't happen. So the, the idea of sort of booking things in advance, you know, into the future and looking forward to those things. I think that's a really, a really nice idea. You know, I, I hope that we might try and book a holiday or, you know, something along those lines over the next uh, month yeah. or so to try and try and focus our minds. I think it's like that's a really nice idea, bit, isn't it? Kind of remembering there's stuff outside of what's going on in the world. And I probably like I probably make it sound really easy and I know it's not. But I think like so what so recently actually um we brought we we really want to go to South America for a couple of months. So we brought a load of maps of South America and one of Central America and got some lonely planet guides. Quite a nice activity on like a weekend when you can't really do anything to just spend some time kind of planning what our trip might look like. Or if you want to go, I don't know, somewhere else in Europe or things like that actually maybe sit down with your child and be like, if you want to go on holiday this summer, where do you want to go? Like, here's free reign to have a bit of a look. And just giving them a bit of, yeah, I guess giving them a bit of guidance and encouragement to do that. Obviously caveating it with, we're not definitely going to do what you choose, but 
it does help I think to just yeah it just helps to give them a little yeah. purpose as well yeah. yeah it does that's a really really nice idea I'll take that away with me we might might have a look at that over the next few weeks super hope um time's up really but i just want to say thank you so much for um for joining us um this morning um you know working with you over the last few months has been an absolute joy and having you into school um last term and then speaking to you today um has, has been absolutely fantastic so so thank you hope thank you thank no you worries, for- So that's it, our very first Denston Healthy Minds podcast. I hope that you found today's talk informative. If you'd like to find out more details about Hope, then you can find out more details at hopevirgo.com. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, then you can find me at CSF underscore wellbeing on Twitter. We will be welcoming further guests over the coming weeks. But if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, please do feel free to contact me on social media. We hope you have an enjoyable couple of weeks and we will see you next time.